This is Critical Nonsense, our high lowbrow show about culture, science, and tech. This week, I ask Joey about finding empathy for each other. How can I just let you walk away? Let you leave without a pod? <laughs> no, that's, that's, I mean, whatever. This is what a joke sounds like. <laughs> and this is what an executive producer and in the air tonight, Jess Vander sounds like. Hi, this is Jess. Are those um, both Lion King? adjacent or <laughs> phil no. collins phil collins phil collins i like the i like that anything related to phil collins is hereby described as lion king adjacent <laughs> from now on that's you know <laughs> i mean i i don't know is that phil collins and genesis minimizing or right because he lion actually did king tarzan Grant, you know. but then yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, did he do anything from the Lion King soundtrack? No, I was just it, in the air Tarzan. tonight. In the air tonight makes me think. Oh. Uh, because it. it's close enough to can you feel the love tonight? And then I, ad- I admit yeah. that is a stretch and my fault. So, sorry. <laughs> um, just housekeeping. I do have like a small housekeeping thing that's just like a funny tidbit on the back of our dating app uh, conversation that I saw Bumble had released uh, uh, height preferences from female users and they mm-hmm. have it on like a bell, a bell curve and like the what seems to be about the median line on the bell curve is <laughs> six eight this or, or sorry maybe like Six six is the median line, and I'm just uh, like laughing, imagining like All the these... desired height. Like these are like uh-huh. filters in advance filters by female users by height, and it's like yeah, these tall the me- hotties. The median is six six. <laughs> That's insane. These tall hotties, I swear, are all gonna have to be on one app. That's the only solution here. Actually, I also have a follow-up on that, especially on on the subject of height. I was bringing up this conversation to a friend of mine, and she was saying, oh, that's so funny. I actually, I, um, I'm like, she was saying she's like a cusper on, like, you know, in between inches. And she's like, I always round up because you have to account for uh, men who lie and, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I they I don't want them to be disappointed when I'm taller than them in person. Yeah. So I just like yeah. I have to I have to overestimate to be, to account for it all. I was like, well, all these politics. The person the person who shared this said uh it's not so erudite is their Twitter handle, but it says dating apps are terrible. This is a great example of why women pre-selecting by height like this is stupid. Y'all just want someone who's as tall as you or a bit taller quit manifesting. Uh, but then I, I, like, alternatively, I had just seen, like, a funny video somewhere. And it was, uh, like, an Australian, like, radio show or something. And one of the hosts was reading, like, a listener email or something. And they were like, 
I'm uh I'm like six one and a half, and I often meet people who say that they're six feet tall. And when it's obvious that I'm taller than them, I tell them that I'm five eleven just to see how they react. <laughs> and I was, just, I was like, just giggling to myself about it. Uh, oh, chaos man. agents. That is chaos agent for real. Um, also, uh, now I just like I have to just add to. I would love for some. I guess is this like an orthopedist? to release some kind of survey <laughs> or some some kind of analysis with Bumble to be like you don't want to be like bending over like a foot that that yeah. distance is just like not practical for your back health <laughs> yeah this disparity this is, is creating a herniated cervical this vertebra left and right <laughs> It's exactly. a public health crisis. Exactly, it's a public <laughs> like, health crisis to be to be reaching for six six median or whatever you said. Oh my gosh, that's so yeah. Funny. Uh, yeah, <sighs> it's somewhere in the like the upper sixes where like the average height of a man in the U.S. is somewhere around like five eight. So the you're swimming in a Keep small dreaming? pool is I guess the <laughs> yeah yeah um literally well, Jess, lower your expectations a, a, yeah there we go hey uh, well what do you have for us now that our house is cleaned and shortened or heightened i don't know our house is at a different altitude great that's clean so finally i can share that um i was very caught off guard Walking yesterday, a stranger behind me blessed me after I sneezed. And it was so shocking that someone was not only paying enough attention, but that their immediate reaction, I had not fully realized until I was thinking about it as I continued to walk, wasn't something like creating more distance between us or (laughs) like trying to... Uh, uh, just avoid my airspace in some other way and obviously more likely saying nothing um, in the context of the New York culture. And it just um, immediately set me off into this tailspin thinking about um, uh, some article that I'd also seen recently about um, uh, how people uh, have lost empathy for parents whose children are screaming on airplanes and um how actually on this same train ride home before i was walking and this whole saga unfolded i also was on a train car with a dad whose child was um just like unwilling to sit and then got startled when the train jerked around and then was completely inconsolable and you know everyone on the train is like (laughs) throwing glares over and i know that we've had conversations on this show in the past about compassion fatigue and empathy fatigue, but this, this question and, uh, or even just this idea that my baseline expectation is that has, has shifted to a point where I just expect less of other people and I expect them to care less about me and be looking 
out much more for themselves in this day and age, maybe um, because new norms have shifted in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, especially. But, um, you know, I've seen articles and um, pieces written about, you know, family structure and how it used to take a village. But now I guess it's all on you alone. Um, and I I just feel like there's a lot more to unpack also, um, you know, just because this topic has bounds, uh, boundlessness. No, no bone. Knows no bounds. Thank you. Finally made it. Um, to get to the bottom of this question, where might we find more empathy for each other? This is, um, I, I don't know. It's a thing I think about a lot. You know, it's like one of those sort of arenas. There's like a handful of areas where you like, touch base on often or like for me it's like thinking about time dilation and thinking about being nice to other people in public are like two of the things in that list uh and i've always tried really hard to be generous with my time and to acknowledge other people's existence even when it's uncomfortable so like doing the the bless you thing when you're like in a new space or whatever i was like standing in line at my niece's softball tournament waiting to use the bathroom and there's a little kid in front of me it was probably nine that sneezed and i said thank you or i I didn't say thank you (laughs) thank you for your sneeze sneeze. i said bless you uh (laughs) and uh it was funny because it just uh like opened the space that we were both sitting in a little bit. And then he like made a joke to me after about like mm-hmm. some kid walking by. Um, and it, ju- it just sort of like, right. Like you're establishing like a, Hey, like I saw that you're a person. I'm also a person here as opposed yeah. to like inanimate objects sharing a space together. But yeah. I, I also have had like a, a bit of a confrontation with this recently where I'm like reaching like limits of it in a particular arena. So we had mentioned, I mentioned online that we were like getting ready to hire some, some folks in a strategy role and the post just whatever, whatever blowing up on LinkedIn is, which is like a a different (laughs) conversation, I guess. But and when we, I we just drop so... this post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let the post uh, drop. <laughs> it just got... <laughs> Sorry. Go on, so go stupid. On. <laughs> uh, it, it just got so much attention and there was so, so much like inbound communication from a lot of people who are to, to this point genuinely strangers and under normal mm-hmm. circumstances when there's not like such a high volume of those interactions, I always make it a point to respond to anyone who's messaging me, but I was getting like so flooded and so behind that I, it was just like impossible to to keep up with it. And I think like for the most part now, I have responded to everyone who directly messaged me, but it was it was like, it was so hard. And I like left, the dynamic just like feeling shitty for not you know not 
not sort of holding to some ideal Mm -hmm. around empathy like you're talking about because it's like pushed to a limit. And I think that's a lot of what we, right? There's like discussions of empathy fatigue have gone around over the years or things like that. But there's there's sort of like everyone's going to have a limit with which they're going to be able to operate within and at some point if you cross that line you're just like run out and it may not be based on like using up all of your empathy it just may be like using up all of your like social interaction or using up all of like your stress or whatever it is and and that's like that the the tolerances of the idea are sort of interesting to me like I think it's I think what you said is important just to like talk to people, but I don't know if that necessarily like gets at the root of your question. Well, yeah, and it's also like what like the expectations are are around these different contexts. Like in that scenario, in in sort of where you have invited, you have been the initiator in a way because you're inviting like, hey, come come do this. And then you're like, actually, I'm not prepared. Like, you ticket mastered th- that. Not really. But like, did you ticket master them yeah. <laughs> to an era's tour kind of yeah. a situation? Like, you're like, yeah, you can <laughs> oh, get this. No. no, no, no. Sorry. Wasn't ready for that. <laughs> um, yeah. But I but I think that it's really interesting to think about how, you know, we've talked also a lot about like the social contract, but like do I ex like ha- do I just fundamentally not expect people to bless me anymore when I sneeze? Like I, I think I think a shift has happened where I my I don't anymore ex- expect that. Though I'm like oh I'm pleasantly surprised and appreciated if someone is giving me that bid of consideration. Um, and like you said, I mean, you know the kid at the soccer field or whatever that it has surprising benefits and maybe we we could do it more if it's so effective. But it's just it is it's interesting to me to think that um some of some of these things that maybe were sort of um etiquette necessities have really shifted even in a really short while mhm yeah it it sort and, of and goes i'm saying this also like uh, also just like to caveat too i'm saying this as like a, a brooklyn new york city dweller uh who you know i'm sure if you go to different parts of the country it may not it may not be this way at all. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's sort of where I was thinking about, right? Like, is the, what are the social and cultural norms? And we've talked about in the past, like, every so often the meme comes back up about, like, you know, uh, people in the South are nice but not kind. People in the Northeast mm-hmm. are kind but not nice. And, and it, like, they do different regions. And and usually people will fill them out differently to, you know, suit their whatever agenda about how they are uh, regionally as like a, a group of people. But it gets to that idea. And I think like a lot of the cultural norms within at least New York City, where both of us live, is to like give people some sense of social privacy in shared spaces. Right, right, where there's like a norm to not bother others. Uh, right, at, we're already on top of each other. Like, Give me space. Yeah, 
Yeah, you can be alone together if you so choose. You don't have to be, but when if you need something or if you ever see someone in distress, there is also a norm that you should then react and and help or <laughs> yes. do something about it, right? Yes. And that that I that it comes back to like do you see people as people? I think is sort of like a root idea of empathy. And then the question of, you know, there there have been ideas over the past, I don't know, like five to ten years that have come out where people have tried to push these ideas further and be more descriptive. And one of them is the idea of radical empathy, which is around like doing anything within your power to reduce the suffering of those around you, which is like an entirely different, or not, not an entirely different concept per se but is like pushed to an even greater degree and like what is the norm and like what is it that we're hoping for like does everyone want niceties like I personally am cool with like simple social niceties I participate I say thank you if someone opens holds the door for me like like these sort of like manners based things like I like mm-hmm. those. It's like simple acknowledgments of other people's actions. But, you know, is is that what you're thinking about? Or like in asking how do we feel more empathy for each other? Like what types of outcomes are you hoping for? Well, I guess that is part of the problem is like even what those outcomes should be may just lie in the beholder of the the eye of the empathy beholder as it were um yeah. something that Ryan and I have been talking about um recently um at home is uh the appropriate uh deplaning etiquette and mm. how and like what are you optimizing for when getting off of an airplane because um there is one sort of tr- uh school of thought i suppose that um you must allow those in front of you to deplane in the order in which you were seated effectively. So it goes row by row and you wait for the last mm-hmm. person of the rows in front of you to go before you go. Um, but there is also the conundrum of the fact that you've got bags up above, not everyone can move as speedily. And so there is a case to be made that even though you aren't moving in order, if someone is ready, should they just be able to go like if if they're standing up they've got their bags can they just go ahead of you even if that means passing your lane um and it's so interesting there were <laughs> there was an interaction that ryan had where um he was he saw an opportunity as somebody where like he had his stuff together and so he was he just decided to take the opportunity and someone behind him muttered like Uh, asshole and he was like oh i like i thought i was optimizing for the efficiency of the process and like trying to get us Mm -hmm. all off of here faster but to that other person they were like how rude you broke this the the social norms of the way we do this where i go you know and then the next person goes and whatever um and it's so interesting because even in an attempt to to be empathetic to try to be considerate um though I guess those two things are different, but in an attempt to be considerate, even that still may not necessarily land when you're uh, in a different space. Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, 
the row order thing is the way to do it unless there is like a pause when it is the next row in front of you, which is where like, yeah, if I'm, I always just travel with a backpack under almost all circumstances. So it's real easy for me to go. And if someone's like stuck in their seat and fumbling around with something and they haven't even got to the aisle to go in the overhead at the point where it's like to my row, I will. You should go. Yeah. Even if it's the person, yeah. in f- if it's the last person in the row in front of you, but they are not together, you should go, right? Yeah, yeah, Hundy, yeah, Hundy. But the 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 different question ab- about this, right, is the the idea of empathy. I think on its like base, sort of. Uh, foundational reasons why we would talk about it is to be able to put yourself in another person's shoes and be able to act in a way that is not like solely self-serving or at least like treat other people as if they are individual humans with independent desires and motivations and experiences that might be contributing to how they're acting in, in a certain way. And I think what you know, if we think about social forces that we've talked about, at a whether, you know, it's polarization or, you know, sort of dehumanizing outgroups or, or things like that, like what we're really talking about in this is not necessarily to change your behaviors towards other people, right? Like these these ideas that you just brought up of like conscientiousness, consideration, politeness, like I mentioned are all about like choices in social interaction, which feel like independent of uh, just seeing another person as a human being that has independent ideas and not choosing to dehumanize them when they don't agree with you. And or like in a uh, even further step to help or support them because you understand them to be human beings and you can put yourself in their position and, and sort of feel what they may be feeling in a, in a certain context. And so like that part of it is like, do we have questions of, you know, like different ideas of conscientiousness or politeness or like the plane deboarding is fine. Right. Like, but the difference is like, if you think someone's an asshole, do you have to say it because they are (laughs) like a person, right? Like that's the, that's like, like what I think in my head versus what I do externally because it will have a, an impact on someone yeah. if they hear it is like that that sort of like is like almost at like the point where we're talking about of like how do you choose to act towards someone else if you assume that they are also a human being, right? Like I saw a woman, right. I flew last week, a woman like ran up and was like sort of jumping the line and being weird as we were deplaning and I was like, okay, in my head, I literally was like, okay, chill. Like, you know, like, and, and then she like ran off the plane and and like ran across the way. And she was trying to get onto a a connection flight that we were late to. Yeah. 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 I, I, it's interesting to hear like the, the sort of self-talk that you could try to instigate sort of this, like in these late stage moments where it's like, giving grace and trying to like 
trying to shift your perspective so in those moments things are different or like you could you could try to find this type of empathy i was also looking into sort of like early stage empathy exercises that you could do to basically um mm-hmm. To, to help sort of like create that, especially in instances like mm-hmm. in a workplace where you're interacting with people in recurring contexts. And um, a few of the exercises that I found in this article reminded me, I, when I read them, I was like, oh, this is just like tricking yourself into some of the, um, what, what are they? They're like um, known cognitive biases i guess or like things that mm-hmm. we naturally like we like people that we are <laughs> like the more we know about them like the more we like them so it makes sense that one of the yeah. exercises is just like talk to them and like get to know them better and that's true of say even projects that we work on here it's why um you know in many of our projects we'll have a lot of these internal kickoff conversation moments to try to just like you don't have to be best friends, but like the more you know the people, the more likely you are to be able to consider them as people. Um, and similarly, like another exercise they were saying was um, just try uh, taking a walk in someone else's shoes, for example, just like attend someone else's synagogue or like, I don't know, like go go just like do something that um is atypical or maybe in in the context of the other person like it's easy to trash talk parents and then you go babysit and then you're like okay (laughs) that is yeah you're right that is hard to do i can't do that and i understand now yeah what it's like yeah that that first point makes me think about this as like the inverse crush Right. Like what is the inverse of the crush of like when you hate someone and you don't know them like like yeah. the crush is like loving someone <laughs> or that. or glorifying or aggrandizing them before you know them that like if only I was with them, it, my life would be so much greater or grander. And the inverse is like just seeing someone that you know nothing about and being like they're an asshole. Right. You know, like the crush. completely like painting them <laughs> in in the the reverse and what's yeah what's interesting is that like no one is ever as great or as terrible in almost any circumstances as you would expect them to be when you're in like a shared circumstance like if you were in an equivalent circumstance you know they're the disparity is not as great as you would anticipate most of the time and i just heard I listened to this long talk on on uh, YouTube about this guy wrote a book, and I'm blanking. I'll I'll pull up after uh, his name just so I I can cite it. But it was like a two hour big think talk about like leaders, leadership, evil. It just like popped into my algorithm for whatever reason. And he was talking about we evaluate leaders incorrectly because. invariably when you have a lot of power and you make a decision there's invariably going to be harm but it's about harm reduction like who like in any circumstance uh if you choose a like b may get hurt or if you choose b a may get hurt but like which is like the lowest harm and and evaluating decisions based on alternative outcomes as opposed to the outcome by itself 
And I think like this, it, it made me think about this circumstance where it's like, we don't know enough about people to be able to have any kind of evaluative criteria externally. And so if you just start with the assumption that like they're probably not that bad <laughs> as like a baseline repetition in your head, I try yeah. to do things like when I'm in public of like just analyzing people, like observing like what are like mm -hmm. things on, you know, like sort of not like Sherlock Holmes, but like Sherlock Holmesing, like what shoes are they wearing? Like, how are they walking? What are they carrying? Like, how do they look? Or, you know, what are they eating? Like all of those things, trying to build a story. And for me, at least that starts <laughs> to humanize people, even though I'm like making up a story, but it's like, mm -hmm. if I could either crush on them or inverse crush on them, if I like start to make a story, I can at least sort of guide it down like the middle road as opposed to like falling too far in, in either direction, you know? Yeah. And those details and things are a start. It makes a ton of sense then why, you know, a lot of the, you know, sort of like prestige or high quality television and movies these days, like make villains so compelling by, by giving more detail. I feel like the, the like, whole thing about like villains of yore is that like oh they're they're just like pure evil there's like there maybe there's like no motivation or like yeah. no other context they're just like that's a bad guy um and so i feel like the it's it's really interesting how that even works in sort of like the entertainment context where you are just more invested the more you know the more um the more context there is. I feel like Aaron would probably have a thought if he were on the call about he loves the context. Yeah. The contexting. Yeah, like well, it. I mean, it's more realistic, right? Like I'm sure there are like you know like pure good or pure evil people in the world, but like the vast majority of people don't fall within that spectra and like we are a product yeah. of our circumstance and our experience and our genetics. And, and it is like this whole like big milieu of interactions that turn us into who we are. And, and so when you have a villain who has maybe noble aspirations, but ignoble actions, then it feels more realistic and compelling and that you have more complex emotions about them yeah. versus like simply hating them of like, oh, they seem like a good person that has made a lot of bad decisions, right? It's like, I just watched, we rewatched like the Star Trek reboot movie trilogy like over the past few nights and mm -hmm. like uh, the the villain in the third one, it you know, I guess spoiler alert, is like someone who got sort of trapped in a situation where you would lose your mind a little bit and was kind of like almost like a working dog, like didn't have their job anymore and like lost it. And the way in which they resolve that is to do bad things. But like you can at least like track how you would get to that point versus you're just like, you're just pure evil. You are right. the devil. Like, right. it's like, how did you become the devil? You know? Yep. Well, is this our, are we arrived? Are we at the corner? We, we could be, gauge, gauge my emotions. 
how am I feeling? You guess how, how I'm feeling through empathy to determine whether we are at the corner. Or I, just I think like ask you if we're at the corner. <laughs> I I just yeah. I love this idea that like it's probably a good story. You might not see how it started or how it ends. So be generous in how you write the rest of the story in your own head if you don't get yeah. the satisfaction of seeing the woman make her connection like the the even if you can't see the story become good meaning it's not just a, a matter of pure evil it's like yeah that was kind of bad story that's like that mm-hmm. that is come on life isn't written that way it's gonna be so much more interesting than that um and <laughs> to remind i just like the idea of all of us reminding ourselves like ah, it's probably a better story than that it's probably not as simple as yeah. that guy sucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like, to, like you don't have to like someone, and even if you don't like them, doesn't make them a bad person, right? Like, yeah, tough or, hang, but not evil. <laughs> yeah, more, but that's more fun. There's a clash between great story, but like more fun for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Easier to just uh, be like, Ugh. yeah. Come on, but I like that, like. You don't know the whole, or how, how did you phrase it? I like the way that you phrased that, that wrap up. Uh, it's probably There's a more good to story, the story. Even if you, oh, even if you don't see story, how it starts yeah. or how it ends. Um, so yeah. yeah, we're all, we're all just left to write the rest that we don't know in our heads and, you know, try to make it good guys. Yeah. Gals. Guys. Folks. Just do it. And don't get your Phil Collins references wrong and just make sure, like, it's, it's like, it's probably Tarzan, okay? It, it, it is. Or it's not. Are it's you really a story? And- <laughs> Are you a stranger story writer? Do you do that too? What is that? Just like writing stories in your head about strangers, like, tr- like trying to fill in the blanks. Like, I do it all the time. Mm, interesting. I, I don't know if I would do it the same way that you do, but I definitely, especially, it, it's it's pretty hard not to in New York, um, especially if you are a subway goer, to sort of just like creep on what someone's looking at on their phone and just think like, mm-hmm. huh, wonder what that's for, or this person today that I saw, who I was just sort of, I was like, wonder like what the process was of this person getting ready this morning like i know the way i get ready every day but how this individual landed in such a creative unexpected set of choices in a fashion context like that that's a totally different mental model of like yeah those socks yeah. match <laughs> <Interesting>. <laughs> yeah i, huh, I i'm not like, like to wake like, up and plots. think these socks match <laughs> Yeah, I'm not writing plots. I think I'm almost like, it's like character analysis a little bit of like, wow. oh, you're you're covered in tattoos, but you're wearing like a very elegant, very professional dress uh, with like choiceful shoes and you're reading a self-help book. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, you had like a really wild phase. The music you're listening to is probably like metal and you're finding yourself in a professional context where you're trying to build confidence so you're choosing to you know like i'm just like 
stacking <laughs> these things based on like You're any like, visible I see external it. I see the signals. character. Yeah, it's so yeah. it's so clear. What might she do next? <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's going to a job interview. Act, you know, like I don't know. Uh, yeah. Anyways, well, we did it. <laughs> yeah, it's the corner after the corner. Sort of. <laughs> Critical nonsense is a Sylvain production. Brought to you by. Stretch those legs. You've been sitting for far too long on that plane. You gotta stand up right now. Do you want a pulmonary thrombosis? Anyways, uh, as always, we'd like we'd like to thank <laughs> our executive producer and pulmonologist Jess Vander. That's funny. Thanks, Joey. We'd also like to thank sound engineer and the pilot of this ship plane. No, Alex Contel. <laughs> uh, we'd like to thank our programming coordinator and feeler of feelings, Les Jacobs. And. Thanks to our production help and the door openers of niceties, Sarah Gilbert and Norm Estridge. And as always, thanks, Ellen. Thanks. Uh, special thanks to, can we say, uh, daughter Burns? Like when, how about like uh, female youthful relative Burns? Because my niece and my daughter have both burned me like significantly in the past like five days. Like I currently have ice for COVID. That yeah, I currently have COVID. Fun, fun, fun. And Oof. my daughter this week, I asked her why she did something, and she looked at me and she went, "Because I have one line and you have two lines." So, <laughs> eh, and stuck her tongue out and ran away. <laughs> and I was like, "As in the COVID test?" What? <laughs> yeah, as in like our test results on the COVID test, and I was like. Ooh. Wow, you're an asshole. Oh boy. Hatred. Born at a young spun like at a ripe like, age. Yeah. I'm like, good joke, but it hurts, you know? Yeah, it's it's cutting deep. Um, I like to thank Paramore um for their song Crush, Crush, Crush. You got me through the the that time in your life where everyone's listening to Paramore. You you dealt with your crushes by listening to songs about crushes. Uh, it's like a little on the nose, but like whatever works, I guess. <laughs> uh, I don't know if those things have to be related. I feel like it was just a life, a life stage. Anyway, uh, um, I like to thank I like to thank um, uh, d- double aisle megaplanes, which allow you to. Um, crossover if someone is being too slow on the other side which again encourages traffic flow and is in my opinion mm. not rude yeah but then eventually you have to zipper merge getting off of the plane so so if you can beat them to the to the next merge then you've done yeah. your job there you go uh thanks to the random people that i would uh, assign in every class in college and write stories about in my head uh, to get through different uh, semesters of college. It was just like, oh, who's going to be my person in this class? It's going to be you. Wow. All right. The uh, Joey's muses. Joey's yeah, it also like helped motivate muses. me to like go to class. I'm like, I, I got to go to class because you know they're going to be there. <laughs> I like. 
people I didn't know at all, like didn't talk to, you know, uh, just be like, well, they're gonna be there. Oh, I, I like should make sure I'm presentable. Like they're gonna, <laughs> they're gonna be in the class. You know, I don't want them to think negative of me. Like, meanwhile, these, these are like random people that I never spoke to uh, and like had no relationship to, and probably had no idea. Like I didn't cross their radar, but like helpful tool. They're your, uh, what do I want to call it? Is it like a, I'm somehow torn between the term unicorn and zucchini. Someone correct me on this, but I believe that's like the, the term, there's like a term for somebody who like you cross paths with, but don't. It's sort of like a one way. Hmm. Well, anyway, to be revisited. I'd also like to thank, on this subject, the Academia Gallery in Florence, where I learned about um, Michelangelo creeping on the workmen in the quarry to understand musculature and uh, hmm. become a better sculptor. So everyone needs a muse, and sometimes it's um, it's uh, shirtless men at the quarry, if that's what you're into. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes... You are the muse, and sometimes you're the musee who is just a creepy uh, yep. Italian Scre- painter. Yeah. <laughs> just like pre-creepy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just, but you know. Just being creating. lecherous and, and, and whatever, <laughs> you know, in the quarry. Wherever right, you find well, your inspiration. <laughs> thanks, thanks to the lecherous. No, no thanks to the lecherous. Keep the letters. No, yeah, no, uh, don't. Yeah, you, you stay away. No thank you to letters. Don't be a letcher. All right, well, we did it. <laughs> Bye. Love you, mean it. Bye. To, to get to the bottom of where we might find... No, that's not a question. Alex, scratch this. <laughs>